0: All right, I just feel like we're talking about looks I and mean, it sounds so vapid and shallow right now. Yeah, okay, can we talk about sex? Can <laughs> we pivot? <laughs>
1: To another episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. I'm Seth. And today we have a very special book in our hearts because we are discussing the new Lisa Claypass novel, Devil in Disguise. This is about Merritt and Kier. And it is well, Merritt is Westcliff and Lillian's uh child, the first their first daughter. Here is of uh, interesting parentage, which we can get into later on, because I do want to hear what Seth has to say about that. All right.
0: I know. Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say, too. I'm curious.
1: I feel like you'll be surprised what I have to say. Or maybe not. Who knows? Okay.
0: I feel like I was surprised on my take of it, too, because, like, you know, I'm, like, kind of annoying about certain things yeah um i was more
1: scared for when i found out what it was which was what i was already kind of thinking it'd be yeah i was more scared of like what you would think of it really yeah because i was like "Mm, i can see this being something that sephra has issues with or like finds difficult to accept whereas i was kind of like okay (laughs) (laughs) anyway we're being vague we should also probably quickly say that this is book seven in the yes. Ravenel series, which yes. we have read all the series. Um, and maybe later on in this episode, we will have some kind of announcement, perhaps.
0: Who knows? Who knows? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
1: Yes. Um, so, yeah, Seth, yeah. what is Devil in Disguise about?
0: Um, all right. So, also, this is the Ravenel's Meet the Wallflowers. So Yeah,
1: what is that about?
0: Um, I don't know if she's changed the series or, like, kind of made it a hybrid series um, because it no longer says the Ravenels at the bottom of it. It says the Ravenels meet the wallflowers. So I'm thinking maybe, like, there's still going to be some sort of connection between all of that because it's still part of that world. Although none of the Ravenels showed up in this book.
1: That is true.
0: Minus Phoebe. But Phoebe, I guess, she's still a wallflower descendant.
1: Even on Goodreads did you go on goodreads because this book on goodreads is marked as it's marked as book seven of the ravenels and book three of the uh uh wallflowers meets ravenels because books books five and six are also in this so like uh because it was no wait not books five and six the one about gabriel Mm -hmm. sebastian's son yeah, and the one about Phoebe. Both of them mm-hmm. are also included in this like new side series, so like a companion series. I I don't know if she's making it a series or if she's just like, oh, here's the books where you do have a lot of like the Wallflower characters popping up type of thing, and like their kids. Maybe a bridge series, like you said, like bridging hopefully towards the kids. Yeah. All of them.
0: Yes, <laughs> I I hope so. Um, and I'm pretty sure I imagined. Westcliffe and Lillian have a having a son, a son named Foxhall. Hall. Where the heck was he, man? He was in. Was it Phoebe's? Book? It was Phoebe's book. Yeah, and I remember I was like lusting hard for this man, and he didn't even make an appearance in this one.
1: Well, my guess is that Foxhall is the eldest son, therefore he is probably the one that has to stay in London and take care of the family title and like everything that comes with that. Whereas the, the, the one that we saw, whose name I can't remember right now, um, like, he's one of the, the youngest the sons. So, like, he yeah. has more, you know, he's more free to do whatever he wants. So he's helping his sister Merit with her shipping company or whatever Yeah, it that is. he
0: eventually is going to take over because she's passing it on to him. Yeah, That's so my guess
1: is, like, he's not present because he's too busy taking care yeah. of, like, actual London ton bullshit.
0: Who knows? He might be the next book son. Maybe she's keeping him a little secret cuz
1: make him make him a little exciting, you know. Yeah, she's like you guys
0: loved Sebastian from my Wallflower series wait for yeah. Foxhall. I mean um, Foxhall. What kind of <laughs> name is that? That's sexy as hell. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. I know. He's foxy. I'm, I'm
1: I'm imagining him like kind of cunning, you know, like kind of like, like a fox, like kind of yeah. like sneaky but sexy, but like, you know. I know. Yeah, Do you think he's going to be a good one?
0: Do you think he's gonna be like a mirror of his father? No, I feel like he's gonna be all. like a good mix between his mother and his father.
1: I'm thinking he's more Lillian,
0: yeah, than but Westcliffe. he'll still have like his father's like possessive, controlling oh, nature. They all do. We've discussed that. I know, that. but Lisa I'm just Clinkas saying, it'll be like the... a
1: man who is not possessive, jealous, and all the good traits
0: that we love <laughs> in our alpha males—fictional only. <laughs> yes. And I also feel like he's just going to be really hot and I'm ready because his parents are really hot. So, I mean...
1: Yeah. But also what we've discovered in this book, well, I mean, maybe not discovered, but at least it reminded me of, of the fact that all these kids grew up together and Merritt sees Sebastian as yeah. an uncle. So they yeah. were very present in their lives growing up. So I'm thinking, like, maybe even Sebastian, you know, put a little... Of himself into Foxhall. That is Maybe true. Maybe Foxhall was like, Well, I kinda wanna be like Uncle Sebastian over there. You Maybe
0: know, roaming the streets of London and chasing the skirt. Yeah. Here's the thought. Maybe he's an amalgamation of like all the characters and like he's just gonna <laughs> be like this hybrid child and um yeah, he's gonna take all of our hearts. Poor guy. He's never gonna live up to her. <laughs> her expectations if we keep going like that. I know. Okay, we'll, well stop. You know,
1: it. just to end this, the great thing about Lisa Claypass is that no matter what she does, her men always live up.
0: Yes. They are
1: all unique in their own ways, but they all have common things, which are all the great things that you do want in your fictional males. <laughs> yes. But they all stand out. Separately, so mm-hmm. I'm interested. No matter how he turns out, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to Hall turns out to be
0: and her brother. I I just don't want the series to ever end because her brother can grow up. You know, a few years later, he gets his book as well, and like, oh you yeah, know, I could I could
1: see him like somehow ending ending up as like a pirate. <laughs> you know, like oh, he he gets I mean, involved with the wrong people and the shipping company, and like he goes and does wild things. On the sea,
0: <laughs> I, I honestly would not be mad about that, right? and I kind of want
1: that to happen. Has Lisa Claybus ever written the pirate book? I don't think she has. I don't think so.
0: No, I don't think she has. Well, writing an email right now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> compose it. <laughs> but no and it, like just imagine like seeing Westcliff worrying and like being all like mm. you know he's rigid he follows the rules and things like that and like his son is gonna be like a criminal or like i don't know like i don't know i really love that idea i think that's a great idea lisa clayplass like please uh you don't even need, need to give us credit for that i'm pretty sure it's something yeah, you're, we're like, you're already it planning you we're playing it for free yeah and maybe she's already planning something like that for him Anyways, we totally like avoided went uh, off
1: track. <laughs> what is this book about, Saf? God damn it! <laughs> We've been talking for what twenty minutes,
0: right? Okay. Um. Anyways, so this book starts off with Merritt, who we already said is uh, Westcliffe and the Leon's eldest child. Um, it's their daughter. We saw her, you know be born we know her we love her we saw her grow up um anyways so <laughs> she's running her late husband's um, shipping port who um passed away I think was it two years ago or a year ago I don't really remember um and she's visited by Kier, who is a Scottish whiskey maker and he comes in all like fuming and angry because like of the mishandling of his whiskey and like since Merritt is like this sweet talker and like everyone just like loves to be around her she kind of like talks him down to the point where he's like intrigued by Merit and like they instantly have a connection and she's also like attracted to him right off the bat and like... Who wouldn't be considering what's coming next? (laughs) Right? Like... Apparently, he's gorgeous, but he has, like, a big beard and, like, I don't know. He, I, I, he just sounds really hot. Literally
1: has a beard because when he uh, shaves it off, everyone makes fun of him because oh, of how gorgeous he is.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, what a problem <laughs> the Problems to have. that I wish I had. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, can't grow a beard to hide the ugly. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, Miss Merritt is like at this point in her life where she doesn't really care what people say, and she just wants to have, like, just enjoy her life, Um, and she decides to, uh, you know, maybe pursue things that way, Um, and she goes up and shows him the warehouse that he'll be staying at after he agrees to um, help. I mean, not help, but, like, take her help with the workers and, like... Spoiler alert, he doesn't stay at the warehouse for a single night. He actually doesn't! <laughs> did you notice that? I just noticed that <laughs> when you he, said it. He never stays there. Nope, he didn't even sleep. I was, I was literally going to say he slept. He, he didn't sleep there, that's for sure. He didn't sleep the first night there, because he was working the whole night.
1: Yep, yep. He visited it with Yeah,
0: Barrett, he did. He did. And then what's that, what's that? <laughs> anyways um what happens is they she sees him you know bare chested in all of his glory and he sounds gorgeous um th- did they kiss then? uh they might have i think they did um anyways so he tells her it can't go further this is as far as it's gonna go and she doesn't take no for an answer and she like um Kind of just, like, knows that this is going to go somewhere else. But she just decides to give him a space for now. Um, Whiskey is all, like, transported. It's all in the warehouse. And then he decides to go and try and sell some of his whiskey. And he ends up at the famous Jenner's, which we all know is owned and run by Sebastian St. Vincent. St. Vincent. And he's hot. He's so hot as like And a he girl. makes
1: his entra- his entrance, ladies and gents. And I I was like, Oh, I'm already getting some Sebastian, like three <laughs> chapters in. I, know. <laughs> I was not complaining. He
0: is so hot. He, he is, is so hot. hot. He's like
1: in his sixties and he is a thriving. He's never been sexier. This man just He's one of those, you know? Ages like a
0: fine wine. But, like, he was fine before he started aging. Oh, he
1: was hella fine before, uh, and he's just getting finer and finer. It's like,
0: damn, Lisa Claypass.
1: How does the world handle it? How do you do it, Evie? Right? How do you handle that
0: much, man? (laughs) Like, Lisa Claypass really wanted her readers to just, like... Yeah. Be envious. Oh, she, and knew just she was doing yeah. lust for a man that will never exist in real life. Yeah. Um, and she succeeded with Sebastian.
1: Yeah, I gotta respect Lisa Pass for understanding the assignment, understanding yeah. what people want. And she's like, I love Sebastian. Everyone loves Sebastian. So I'm gonna give him some more every <laughs> yeah. single book. And it works every time. So anyway, he arrives at Jenner's. Sebastian is there. What happens next?
0: Um, Sebastian is taken aback. And, like, at that point, I feel like you kind of pick up on something going on because um, Sebastian's distant, but yet he's still looking at Kira very meaningfully. Um, and is that even a word? I don't know. I probably just, probably uh, just made that up. With intent. There no. you go. With, with intent. And um, Kira's like, all right, this is odd, but here's my yeah. uh, my whiskey. And then they bought, like, all of his whiskey, basically.
1: Sebastian bought all of his whiskey. <laughs>
0: And, yeah, so we don't really know what's going on there as of yet, but Mm -hmm. we know something's happening behind the scenes with Sebastian. Um, And then, anyways, Merritt shows up again, and she tries to get him to come over for dinner, and he agrees, but not really. She more or less just commands him to come, and... Um, he's on his way there and he gets attacked on the street and gets stabbed by a thief. Um, and well, they assume it's a thief. And he makes it to Merritt's place only for him to tell her.
1: Because <laughs> this dumbass is like, I just got stabbed and I'm bleeding all over the place, but I gotta tell Merritt that. I'm not gonna make it to
0: dinner and then I'll go back to the the shipping
1: place where you I'm staying sorry, at. but if any
0: man li- listeners, if any man tells you that he is un like he was unable to message you back or even just to say something to you because he was busy, look at Kier. This man was stabbed, bleeding on the street, <laughs> made sure he got to merit and told her I won't be able to come to dinner.
1: Oh, the standards of romance. <laughs>
0: um anyways she sees that he's bleeding and she calls Garrett our great doctor and she comes to help him and then Ransom um is we find out he's off on official business from for Sebastian uh, yeah for Sebastian um and we are also like what the heck what's going on there Kira and her decide to have sex they have do the do they spend the night together and Merritt is very much like over the moon and kind of in love and he's also in love and like they're kind of like you know in that honeymoon phase and then he leaves the morning after and his warehouse gets attacked and he uh all his whiskey's gone he jumps out the window and sadly <laughs> he loses his memory and he doesn't remember conveniently the week he spent with Merritt. but we also find out at that time well Merritt puts it together that it's because why? Why is Sebastian so invested with Kier? Well, we all know
1: Sebastian's uh, former character. Yeah, we know his past. We know he was uh, very promiscuous. Uh, exactly. Um, you know, and uh, he liked the married women, mostly. <laughs>
0: Because there's no before Evie, there.
1: this this was all before Evie. Sebastian was, you know, slightly, uh, you know, of a villain, and um, he there was this woman who was a married woman, and um, she you know wanted a little affair, and Sebastian was more than pleased to deliver on that end, and uh, she sired a child. That she never told him about until, you know, later. Yeah. And so Sebastian didn't know at the time that he married Evie that he had a son elsewhere. And the son was given up for adoption because, and you can explain all that. I mean,
0: I feel like it was more dramatic than that because... Wasn't she, like, on the run from her husband because her husband was abusive and he was disgusting mm-hmm. and she tried to find some sort of, like, connection yeah. or, like, yeah. just some sort of affection from somewhere else and she went to Sebastian, she got pregnant and then, um, doesn't she, like, have a really bad, like, birthing process and, like, does she not die? Oh, yeah,
1: it was all, it was all kind of terrible and then, like, she, mo- she more or less had to give the child up for adoption, adoption for his own safety.
0: Okay, she so never she didn't of. die. I thought she died then. Did she
1: die then? Or later on, I thought it was later on. Maybe
0: later on. All I know is that he gave, sorry, her, his mother gave him a necklace, and that connected to Sebastian's uh, watch or something. And um, he, she had to lie to her husband that this child was a stillborn, and so like, or else he would have gone yeah. off and attacked and killed the child. So then he was given to an older couple, and then he has no, he had no recollection, obviously, as a baby what his life was before, like, who parented him. So he more more or less just, like, went on with his life. And Sebastian went on looking for this child that he finds out that he has.
1: She must have died later on, because then Sebastian would have known earlier. I think she sent the letter on her deathbed or something like that. Like, by the way, we sired a child during that time together. And that's why he just now has the letter and is looking for his son.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, the story I feel like more starts here where he doesn't have a memory and he finds out that he has a father named Sebastian and he's like this big duke and he meets his siblings and like Merritt's trying to like connect with him again and like, yeah, I feel like that's where the story starts here. And we also find out that his, um, I guess, lack of a better, better word, his stepfather is kind of after him and wanting to kill him because care is now the heir the rightful heir to all of his properties and his money because
1: he was married because at the time that she gave birth to this child she was married to this man therefore making mm-hmm. him the legal heir even if he is not uh the the man's actual son
0: yeah all right um that was a really long synopsis <laughs> first
1: off since we ended here um can I say I really liked how Merit didn't try to hide this the their week together because that is such a fucking trope uh in Amnesia books like I'm not gonna lie it's not one of my favorite tropes yeah. at all yeah uh I've just realized that we didn't go into whether or not we liked the book uh, no let me finish my thought and yeah. we'll go into it um I don't like Amnesia books so when I you know, figure it out that that's what it was gonna be. I was like, okay, but then then she kind of twisted it a little bit where I really liked Merit. And, you know, she's she's got a lot of honor. And she's like, you know what, I'm not gonna lie about this. I mean, she didn't say about the sex, which I can understand like from a lady's yeah. perspective. She's not going to tell this guy who doesn't remember her. Like by the way, we had hot sex for a whole night. Yeah. Um, but she didn't lie about the rest. So I appreciated that. She was very honest, and I think that that's, you know, admirable. On I mean,
0: yes yeah, she was honest, but I love how she's like, "Uncle Sebastian, I'm I'm his fiance we're engaged we're getting married so i have to go with you but then
1: she but then she said it wasn't real you know what i mean like she could have kept it going no of course i i I also don't super love that trope because it comes again with amnesia amnesia books so often where it's like oh i'm not gonna tell him like i'll tell him that we're husband and wife or whatever and then like i'll keep that lie going for the entirety of the book like that kind of
0: sits wrong with me and she kept up the lie with everyone else, but with him, as soon as she saw him, I think right after she told the lie, she's oh, like, Oh, yeah, I kind of had to lie and say, Uh, yeah. we we're engaged, but we're not, don't worry. But I just yeah. had to say it because I wanted to come with you, um,
1: exactly. and make sure you're safe, exactly. Yeah. That was refreshing to me. Uh, right. So, did you what like did it? you think, oh, oh,
0: sorry, I <laughs> <laughs> like we're so chaotic this episode, I don't even know. Um, no, go ahead first, actually. Okay, all right. Um, as you take a sip of your, uh, water. Okay.
1: <laughs> Nothing fancy.
0: <laughs> I got a big old mug of whiskey in Kier's honor. Oh, we should have drank whiskey to, you I know. don't drink whiskey. <laughs> you want <me> to <laughs> die? I mean, I have whiskey. I know I have it in my, like, cabinet, but oh, I've yeah, never I tried it before. Oh, I have it, but
1: never tried it before either, so.
0: Anyways, I feel like I won't live up to, like, Keir's whiskey. It sounds amazing.
1: Also, I feel like we're chaotic enough. If we had whiskey in our veins, all hell would break loose.
0: Or we could have a sense of order.
1: You think whiskey would rearrange our thoughts in a way
0: that makes sense? Who knows? All right, all right, all right. Um, So I liked this book. I wasn't in love with it. I liked it. I don't know what else to say with it.
1: I feel like you... Is it? Am I wrong in thinking that you, with Lisa Claypass, you tend to prefer the ones that aren't necessarily about the working men? No,
0: that's not necessarily true. I feel like for this one, my my gripes with this one was more so, um, how quickly they fell in love and how quickly, like, they I can le- see that, like, yeah, didn't have no, any fair. conflict between like themselves. I feel and like I didn't necessarily like how the ending happened. I felt like it was rushed and I. I just felt like nothing really came of, like, his stepfather coming after him. He just died um, by, like, the people he hired, and, like, the people he hired still randomly came after him, but, like, at the end, it was just, like, okay. Like, I just felt like their story, that like, itself kind of, like, took a pause as they were being attacked by people. Um, and yeah like I liked it I liked the story of Merit and Cure. I liked the random knots the wallflowers I like seeing the wallflower characters in this um, but it wasn't my favorite I did enjoy it but it wasn't my favorite
1: I really enjoyed it not one of my favorites in the series uh, I mean the Ravenel series is not my favorite period but yeah. y- you know still has some of my some great books in there like No of uh, course devil's daughter is amazing uh the one after that chasing cassandra is amazing so like it still has some great books but out of this this particular series it's not my favorite but i still thoroughly enjoyed it and to me what i kept thinking about was that this book written by literally anyone else other than lisa claypass i would have thought was boring. Really? But it's written by Lisa Kleypas. Therefore, she and I don't mean that because like, oh, it's Lisa Kleypas. I mean that because it is Lisa Kleypas. Like this is a woman that has been writing for decades. Mm -hmm. And to me, it shows not only her talent, obviously, but also how much she's honed her craft over the years. Yeah. That she can write a story like this, with little to no um, action really like it's kind of an easygoing romance that kind of just like you said kind of they get together pretty fast sparks are flying everything's pretty smooth between the two of them and it's kind of exterior stuff happening in the background so for her to be able to write that which i don't think a whole lot of writers could write and make interesting she made it interesting still and i i was kind of reflecting on that and i was thinking like Just think back to the Wallflower books or the Hathaways or all those books, Dreaming of You. There's so much that happens in those books. And I was kind of thinking like maybe a writer earlier in their careers, they feel like they have to throw in a lot of stuff, a lot of plot in their books in order to make them interesting, in order to make the romance interesting, which is fair enough. Like that is not like a bad thing to do. But I was kind of thinking, like, maybe she's at a point in her career where she's like, well, maybe I want to focus on my characters more and less on throwing in every single plot point I can think of yeah. to, like, make this huge story. I mean, just think of, like, the plot of freaking Devil in Winter. Like, there's a lot of shit that happens in that book. Like, it's kind of wild. But so, that book
0: is still very much character-driven. It Devil is. No, Winter. of course.
1: That's Lisa Claybass. Like, she yeah. loves her characters. But I'm, I'm thinking, like... I think it's okay for a writer sometimes to be like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, write a more chill novel that's like, this one's more of a smooth journey that you're just kind of enjoying the characters. And it's very much like family reunion on family reunion, and like throwing in all the, you know, characters, throwback characters. And I, I'm cool with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this is not the entirety of the series. It's like one or two books, and I I was cool with it. I enjoyed myself. I was happy to be reunited with these characters. Like that's that's no. The of it.
0: I agree. I agree. I feel like it was really great to revisit these characters, and like I honestly missed Lisa Claypass as a writer. Her world building is amazing. Her characters are really well written. Um, but this book really heavily relied on, like, the wallflowers. Like, Sebastian oh, yeah. got POVs. Yeah. Um, I think Westcliff even got one. Lillian was there. Evie was there. And I felt like they had such a big impact on the story. And, like, she knew what she was doing. She knew This that, was
1: for the fans.
0: Yeah. Kier and Merritt. like, their story, like, I think maybe it happened so early. And, like, they kind of didn't have issues because of, like, I don't want to say it like this. But I kind of felt like having the wallflowers there, like... Lisa Claypast knew people would be excited to see them more so than Kier and Merritt. Like, I felt like their story was, like, wrapped up and, like, dealt with. And then we, like, I don't know. I just feel like I was more excited to see Sebastian's POV or, like, read about Lillian and, like, read about Westcliff and all of them. I
1: don't know. I was still exciting, excited by Keir's and uh, Merritt's POVs. Like, to me, to me that's where... At least for me personally, like that's where her craft really sh- shines. It's like, oh no, of course. It's like, yeah, I mean, Sebastian, to be perfectly honest, Sebastian St. Vincent walks onto the page of any scene and he steals it like yeah. he's a scene stealer. no i know you can't help it and i think she knows that
0: yeah
1: but to me i at no point was i like oh no not this person again like i don't care yeah i was just happy to be there for the ride you know i'm just enjoying it um plus like it's, it is a very lisa claypast thing to do um her her wallflower christmas book for instance um it was exactly that like she wanted to have a reunion book um and I guess maybe as a sort of compromise, you have the reunion that's heavily featured in the book. Um, it's really the, the heart of it. But there is, you know, she also gives you that, like, new, interesting, blooming relationship between Rafe and whoever his girl was. And I don't know, personally, I like that format. I like that she's always giving you a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and these sort of books. And I think it works for her. And I kind of see this one as that, you know? She was giving you a new relationship, but she was also giving you um, the reunion that you want. Yeah, I...
0: I, okay, I take it back. I don't mean it like I was, like, dreading reading their POVs. I yeah. wasn't. I just was more so excited when I saw Sebastian or when I saw someone else getting a POV um, because, like, I miss them and I miss being in their head. But yeah. I really enjoyed seeing this new side of these characters where we see them as parents. We see them as, like, people that are giving advice where, like, we know they're, like, a chaotic bunch of gr- like people. Yeah. And so, like, I just liked seeing that side of them where they're, like... You know, just there to help these children. Well, they're not children, but like they're children. But yeah, can I also just say I loved the scene where uh, Kier and Merritt reunited, and they're kind of getting it on in the bedroom, and then Lillian bursts into Locks the bedroom, it. sees them, and like slams the door. And then Sebastian's like, "Oh shit, you saw it, didn't you?" And she's like, "Yep." Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, so that's not how it goes down. She opens the door, sees them, says something. The scene cuts. We're with uh, Westcliff and Sebastian in, like, yeah. some kind of, I don't know, room. And Lillian walks in. And Sebastian knows that she was roaming in his house, and he's like, for sure she found them in bed together. Yeah. And the two of them are kind of, like, sending each other, like, signals of, like, yep, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and Westcliffe is, like,
0: doesn't know shit is going on. <laughs> <laughs> no. He would have killed Kier if he saw that. He would have been like, get out! And cut off his dick. I just know Westcliff would have done that.
1: I just love that Sebastian is the kind of father that's like, yep, I know they're having sex under my roof and I'm proud. (laughs) Sebastian, though. Yeah, of course. He wouldn't care. Um, Well, I mean, speaking of which, um, this book was like one of the themes I feel like for this book was very much like, and, for a character that I don't think you would expect it to be, but uh, fatherhood, like, it's very much like fatherhood from yeah. Sebastian's perspective, a little bit from Westcliff as well. While I love, I, I really loved Merritt and Keir together, but the scenes, I think some of my favorite scenes are the scenes of Keir and Sebastian together. I agree. Especially um, Keir has this uh, key that he's had ever since he was a little boy. He knew it was coming. It it came from his mother, his actual mother. um, And he just never knew what it opened. Uh, But Mm -hmm. he just kept the key. I just freaking love the scene. Well, okay. First of all, when Sebastian first, like, tells Kier about everything, Sebastian has the lock. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially. And um, the first time, Sebastian's like, do you want to try the key? just to see if, like, it un- unlocks, right? And yeah. Kira at first, he's like, nope, he refuses. He doesn't, like, he's not ready yet. But goddamn, the scene towards the end where um, Sebastian is, he tries again. He's like, do you do yeah. you want to try the lock? <laughs> and Kira t- tries the lock, and I think I, I wrote it down because I was like, oh, my God, the emotions, the emotions yeah, yeah, that are that going through really me cool. right now. Uh, Sebastian says, You'll always be the son of Laclane McCrae, but maybe you could be mine too. Aww. And Keir says, A. No, <laughs> I. Like, wait, A.
0: <"Aye.">
1: <laughs> He's Australian now. <laughs> or Canadian, A. <"Aye." laughs> or Canadian, A. <"Aye." laughs> <Or Canadian, "Aye." laughs> He says I, um, but I just, I melted. Yeah, because I melted. they're all teary-eyed. And like, they the are. emotions so are high. literally crying. He no. is crying. And that was so beautiful to me. And and shout out to my girl, Evie, because to oh, her, yeah. it was never, like, a bad thing. Like, she never saw Kira as, like, oh, the child that my husband had with another woman. Da, 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 da. Because it's like, Evie. E- Well, Evie has the biggest heart, and she will love anything. And right away, to her, it was, like, the son. Like, she- he was her son, and mm-hmm. to Sebastian, he was obviously his son, and he was, he was, he, he, without wanting to erase the father that Kier had, which was a great father. Kier loved him. Yeah. And he had a great childhood with that father. But Sebastian was like, maybe you can be mine too. And I was oh, like, I know, I know.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> and I know we're like, we're, we seem to be focusing on Sebastian, but I also loved that we, um <laughs> like, we got to see how much he searched for this boy, this child. He was, like, sick with worry. He, like, hired investigators, hired detectives. He just, he wanted to find his son. And, like, he never referred to him as, like, anything other than his son, like, in his head, despite him being illegitimate, despite him being, like, I guess a bastard child. He just, he never, like, paid attention to society and, like, what they would think. He just wanted to know his son was alive and safe and he wanted his son. And, like... Honestly, I love that about Sebastian and I loved seeing that he loved his kid despite not even knowing him and like I just loved it.
1: And he wanted to give in space. Like he gave him all the time that he needed to come to terms with that fact. Yeah. Which I loved. And also like to Sebastian, if it meant letting Gear go, he, he would have done do it. Do it. Like he, he just wanted his son to be happy yeah. and to have everything that he needs and even like towards the end when he's like no matter what you need, <laughs> I'll
0: yeah. be here,
1: I'll I
0: give know. it to you. And I was, like, bawling. Um, <laughs> <anyways>. <laughs> but I feel like this, yes, this comes back to, like, what we think of, like, that whole situation of Kira being his son. Yeah. I didn't hate it at all. I actually like okay. how it was worked into the story. Yeah. Um, and I loved that, you know, <clears throat> they mentioned his talk with Evie, and I just – honestly, like, him and Evie are – they're fiction for a reason because they're so perfectly like put together and like they just like they understand each other so well to the point where like you yearn for that and I love how like they both bring out each other's like best qualities and I just like I just I loved it and I loved how like we already talked I don't want to repeat what you said but like how Sebastian and Kier talked about things and worked through their problems I felt like it was done so well And I honestly loved it. And I felt like it complemented the story as well as the wallflowers so well.
1: Very mature. Very mature on both of their ends. Because, like, even here, a typical romance hero thing to do, in my opinion, would have been to be hostile yeah. towards Sebastian and, like, yeah. just to create some drama. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, just have him, like, completely flat-out refuse, be mean, blah, blah, blah. But that's just not who Kier is. Like, he's exactly. not a mean guy. He's a great guy. And sure, guy. like, he 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 needed his time and he, he needed some space. I just love that, like, both of them were just mature about it. Like, yeah. you know, there wasn't just drama for the sake of it. And I just yeah. appreciate that. But speaking of fathers... My, I want to know because when we Or daddies. Which
0: one are you speaking about?
1: Both. <laughs> 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 but when we learned that this book was going to be about merit, yeah. we both thought that was going to be a whole lot of Westcliff and Lillian. So I want to know how you felt about the fact that there
0: really wasn't that much. I was, it was disappointed. Really Sebastian. I was so sad. <laughs> I was so sad. But I honestly feel like Maybe she's going to keep that for another, like, of their child's books. Fox song? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But, like, <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I did want more of Westcliff and Lillian because, like, we know Merit, obviously, yes, was her first child. And, like, yeah. she's been through a lot of hardships herself. And I just I kind of wanted her parents to be there. But I also wanted to be in Westcliff's head um, for reasons. But... That being said, I enjoyed that it was a more Sebastian-centric book because... It made sense. It made sense. And I love Merritt and I think she's a great character, and I love her parents dearly. Um, but I feel like it wasn't their time. Because I feel like their book will happen. Like, not their book, but, like, they will have more scenes in later books. And, yeah. I'm just, like, I was okay with it at, four, at first. I was really disappointed, but, hey, it's okay.
1: And, and... I mean, Lillian had a scene with Kier. I still yeah. feel like she she shines in this book because I had forgotten. Like, we haven't seen her for so long. I that love Lillian. I had kind of forgotten how she is. And then she was on the page and I was like, oh, you know what? Lillian is a great-ass character. Like, she's, she's wonderful. So... And, you know, it was it was great to see her as a mother n- and not just of s- small kids, but, like, actual grown-up no, kids. Exactly. And see how she acts with them, you know, like, just it's so Lillian to walk into the room of her daughter as she's having
0: sex and be like, oh, okay, I'll come back later. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> with her American just, accent. <laughs> yeah. And I loved how, like, their personalities didn't change. Like, they... kind of stayed the same like they matured as characters of course but I feel like the way they brought up their children was like the same as like how I envisioned they would do it how Sebastian would do it with Evie and like I just loved I just loved them and I loved how we got to see them as mature beings and also I also love that despite Sebastian and Evie and Lillian and Westcliff raising their kids up together to the point where, like, they kind of think of themselves as siblings, we yeah. still got that Sebastian and Westcliff child union that I, I kind of wanted in my head.
1: Wait, um, what?
0: Oh, okay. Fr- from Kira and Kira uh, okay, and yeah, yeah, Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what do you Okay, Because Daisy and Annabelle, they're not even, in, like, mentioned at all, really. In these books do you think they'll come and maybe we'll get more books with their children like m- ming- is it books?
1: possible that daisy and what's the her guy's name matthew, matthew is it possible that they moved back to america or did i imagine that was that the brother rafe someone moved back i think i feel like they moved to america someone moved uh as for simon and annabelle that's true. We have they haven't been mentioned I do not I d I don't I don't think that anything bad happened. I think no, that the no, wallflowers no. are still, you know, as thick as thieves together. Wallflower code forever. Yeah. Um
0: which there but, is no wallflower code.
1: <laughs> they oh, will yeah, tell you. There there
0: isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think um maybe because like they're they weren't raised as like close knit with like Sebastian and Westcliff's children maybe later on in the, the series we might get some crossover books who
1: knows but also like give me daddy simon like simon doesn't get the love that he, he deserves. doesn't he's
0: and i don't know why fat.
1: the butcher's son he grew he's up thick he's and muscly thick. he made yeah. his money mm-hmm. which is sexy okay mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Preach it, girl. This could literally be us for four hours talking about all of Lisa Claybus's men. <laughs> I know. We could um, be sitting here preaching everything that is great about <laughs> these men.
0: Oh, my God. Um, and there's no whiskey yet, so. No, no whiskey. <laughs> Only tea. Only tea, guys. Speaking of whiskey,
1: yes. I'm going in a completely different direction. Okay. One thing that Lisa Kleypas is famous for. Well, not famous for, but known for, is the fact that she has amazing food descriptions. Like, she goes in on that food description, and you're sitting there, and you're like, oh my god, I can taste the butter on my lips. <laughs> <laughs> but can I tell you that Kier, our whiskey guy, Ooh-hoo. he talks about whiskey in this book like he's making love to a woman. Have you noticed that? Like, the care, it's intent, there's intent and passion and intensity. The man's passionate about his whiskey. Oh, he is. But, like, you're like, fucking hell, are you making love or talking to me about whiskey? And maybe I want both at the same
0: time (laughs) from you. Like, this this is, like, holy shit, Lisa Claypass. I know, I know, I know. And it's because she, like, does her research. I was reading her, um Her oh yeah she has recipes
1: and everything
0: yeah yeah she does her research she like research all the whiskey and like how it's like curated and all of that and then yeah I just feel like she's I love when authors are just so passionate about what they're writing about and like what they love and just like you feel the love in the books you honestly do
1: you feel that she she was like all right I'm gonna write a book about whiskey. and you can feel that she made, she she did her research and she loved doing her research and yeah. she loved adding those little bits in the book. And I love when those things transpire yeah. in a novel. And I mean, obviously, it's Lisa Calipas, so she's pretty much a genius and amazing at what she does. But I swear to God, those descriptions, I was like, holy shit, why is this getting me hot? He's literally talking about an adult <laughs> beverage like hello oh in god. that scottish accent which like, may i tell you that i did the audiobook so i did get the scottish accent which at first was difficult to understand not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god like just imagine that accent talking to me in my ear about yeah. whiskey i was like okay oh,
0: in my head he sounded really yeah. hot so i can only oh, imagine he, what he, he actually sounded, sounded like hot. okay mm. okay mm.
1: Like, you didn't you didn't really like Ransom's book, but Mm-mm. let me tell you that had you done the audiobook for that book, Ransom's accent, 10 out of 10, would definitely recommend. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it took his character from, like, a solid 8, I would say, to, like, a 13. I was like, holy shit.
0: <laughs> that is I not. will say... The yeah. little mentions we got of Ransom and Garrett and, like, the scenes we got of them, they were really cute. They're cute. They're yeah. cute. I just you love know, They're Garrett's a little character. different. They're
1: different for Lisa Pass. so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, got to respect that, you know, she branched out. And she was, like, working woman, doctor with a working man, spy.
0: Again, the research that went into Garrett's character as oh, well. Amazing. God.
1: Yeah. You know, I, Lisa Kleypas was writing fierce as women from day one.
0: Yeah. Uh, one more scene that I wanted to talk about was um, when Lillian found out about Kier and him being Sebastian's Ill- illegitimate son, and like her kind of being hurt that she wasn't in the know, where like her husband knew, Evie oh, yeah. knew. And she was like, okay, I guess, like, what am I, chopped liver? Like, I'm nothing, I guess, to you. And then, like, Sebastian is like, oh shit, I I actually hurt Lillian's feelings. Like, I I didn't think of it, or like, I didn't think she could get her feelings hurt by me. I thought she hated me. And then, like, he goes to find her. And then it's like, it's been 40 years. You're still holding a grudge. I
1: know. And it's like, honestly,
0: (laughs) I love the little nod to, like, the past and, like, what happened there. And, like, um, He's like, wait, you honestly want to be my friend? And then she's like, (laughs) obviously, you idiot. And, like, I just, I loved that scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of like, why are they having this argument, like, 40 years later? But also, like, it was cute. I liked
0: it. Yeah, I mean, like, you can spend time with people and, like, you know, not really, like, develop a deeper connection. Because, like, I feel like everyone's around each other. And, like, your kids grew up together, so you kind of, like, lose yourself and, like, all of that, and, like, you kind of have to take a step back and, like, evaluate your relationships with people, and I felt like Lillian, honestly, was so hurt, and, like, he honestly didn't recognize that she could be hurt by him because of everything that happened, and, like, he never thought about it, and, like, I just loved that they had that heart-to-heart and that discussion that they needed to have 30, 40 years ago, but I'm happy that they had that now, and, like, now they're more of, like, a closer, like, group of people now because of that.
1: Yeah, and I can also understand how he'd feel like, you know, we're only friends because you're married to Marcus and uh, I'm married to my Evie. Wife. And so, yeah, so, like, I can see why he never probably thought, like, oh, yeah, we're friends, you know, like, we're just acquainted. because yeah. we're kind of you know. forced
0: to be around each other. Like, yeah, I kidnapped
1: yeah. you, but you know what? Not, Whatever. like, in an uncomfortable way, just kind of, because obviously they were tight, but, like... I can see why it was never mentioned between the two of them, like, so we're, actu- we're actually friends, you and I, yeah. right? Like- yeah. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I like that. But also, like, sometimes I was sitting there like, oh my god, remember when Sebastian kidnapped <laughs> 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 Like, what the Do you long tell your kids come. about that? Like, yeah, I need did to know. T- exactly. <laughs> like, do, 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 do they know? <laughs> that one time, Uncle Sebastian kidnapped your mother. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, uh, what, one weird thing, and I'm sorry. It's about Sebastian again. It's about Sebastian again. Who's this book about again? Sebastian, right? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> it's about Sebastian's um, twin. But wasn't it weird how everyone kept, and even, like, the text, like, Everyone kept calling him Kingston, which I know is his title, especially now that Gabriel yeah. is now St. Vincent because the title was passed down and everything. Mm-hmm. But why don't people call him Sebastian? Why is everyone calling him Kingston? Like, at first I was like, who the fuck is Kingston? Like, I knew it was Sebastian, but I was like, I,
0: I'm, I don't recognize this man. <laughs> I mean, like, everyone calls him Sebastian, like all the close-knit people. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, um... Who calls him um, Uncle Mary, Sebastian? Mary, no, William I feel like calls she him says Sebastian. Uncle Kingston.
1: Sorry, I feel like she says Uncle Kingston. At no, some she point. says Uncle Sebastian or Uncle Seb or something like that. Well, then the narration says Kingston, like Kingston yeah. does that, turns around, blah blah, and I'm like, it's Sebastian. Why are you saying Kingston? Like, who the fuck is that? That's a, just that's just a title. That's his last name. Like, I don't care.
0: It's Sebastian. Call him daddy. That makes more sense. Oh, man. Honestly, if Sebastian had a book now in his 60s, I honestly. Oh, I would read the fuck out of it. Not like I'm just saying if Evie never came around and like him as a 60 year old, like they always say like the old men like want young wives and like, you know, in the time like it's just gross. But like if that man showed up and looked like that, I would be first in line. I don't care oh girl I would too especially he's rich
1: as well and he looks like an angel of death that is how Kira describes them and I was like that is the most accurate description I've ever heard
0: okay also let's talk about Kira's looks because also he apparently is Sebastian's like twin yeah. he looked like younger self Yes, to a T yeah. um, so don't worry Kira is also hot Kira is extremely hot as well the yeah. genetics
1: are, you know, came through with this one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. I just feel like we're talking about looks and we sound so vapid yeah, and shallow okay. right now. Can we talk about
1: sex? Can we
0: pivot? <laughs> <laughs>
1: can, can, can I say Yeah. what I wasn't expecting coming into this book was some 69 action. We have some 69 action in this book. Do you remember that? It Do lasted... We? It lasted maybe like five lines, and then in that same sex scene, there was some crease action on Keir's yes. part. He was he was rubbing a finger in places, and my girl went whoop, off like whoop, a firework. Yep, yep, yep. And I was like, okay, Lisa. I hear you. I see you. I didn't expect this, but I'm glad it's here. Yeah,
0: I remember that, scene, but I don't remember the 69. Girl, you gotta go
1: back. There's some 69 action. I was like, mm-hmm. this literally never happens in romance novels. Like, I can't even tell you the last time I read a romance novel that had some 69. Yeah. It's so rare, and I, I don't really understand why.
0: Huh. I don't remember. I'm gonna have to go read it and then ro- report back to you um, some other time. Maybe I imagined it. Maybe I drugged it. Or maybe, like, your imagination just, like, got ahead of you, and yeah. that's what you saw. <laughs> okay, speaking... Okay, we're not speaking of sex anymore, but, like, I guess what comes Aww. after sex, you know... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you have more sex? No. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so we find out uh, Merit cannot have children, and I think yes. it's, like... I feel like it kind of sounds like PCOS, like what she has. I don't know. Okay, well, she has something going on um, that... Um, she's been told that she will not be able to have children, and my guy... Or she
1: ovulates very, very rarely. I think that's what it is. So it's extremely unlikely that she could. Yeah,
0: yeah. so it's extremely not hard for ha- to ha- get pregnant and have a child, but our boy here was like, um... Who raised me? And he was like, I was adopted and I had loving parents and, like, why would you think that I would not want to do the same thing? Why would you think that I would not care to adopt a child and, like, raise it as my own child? And I loved that about him and I loved that he was so ready to do that. I kind of, like, I I love that they had... like
1: it had gone that way.
0: I wish it went that way. And I love that, Yes. yes, she got pregnant and she her dream was to have her own child. I get that. But I also feel like it was a missed opportunity here because adoption, especially in historical romances, is so rare. So rare. And there there, there were so many children back then that needed a home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Still to this day. But back then, I mean, it was rough. And the orphanage was not a fun place to be no. in most cases. So, like, I wish. I, I, I really thought they were going to be the couple when she set up um, Merit as being barren which I, I loved and I was yeah. like oh I can see them adopting especially with Kier's background like exactly. I mean, he made it obvious that it really wasn't an issue for him like he would have been proud to adopt a kid and raise him as his son yeah uh in the end she didn't go for that and like I mean whatever like it kind of made for a funny scene with like Sebastian being like my super sperm you know my genetics I know <laughs> I know and
0: like I did like that scene but I also feel like just like I mean, it
1: doesn't mean that they won't adopt in the future. No, you know? I know. I know, Maybe but I will. just feel
0: like it's such an easy way out, you know? Like, oh, it's fiction, so you magically get pregnant, you know? And I feel like in real life that doesn't happen. And I feel like I just I really wished that uh, Lisa passed, like, showed them adopting a child in the end instead of her, like, delivering a child, you know? Like, or, sorry, getting pregnant.
1: Yes, but I think we can also see it as... It's not a predicament that is makes it impossible for you to have kids. It just makes it tough. But there true. are a lot That's... of women with that same thing that um happen to have kids. They they That's true. It, it just sometimes takes a lot longer, sometimes years to manage to conceive. And in some cases, it's like within a couple months of learning their diagnosis, they get pregnant. And that is true. It just so happens that it worked. So I think it's it's kind of more nuanced than that. I think there's two ways to see it. I would have loved for them to adopt. Doesn't mean that they can't in the mm-hmm. future. Maybe they will. Maybe in future books, that's, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, it, it worked out for them. And and maybe, you know, for some women with that same diagnosis, maybe that would be something really helpful to see and, and happy to see in, in a romance novel. To be like, you know what? That's true. You know, it can still happen. It's yeah, not impossible. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. But speaking of Merit, um, well, first of all, I'm I'm wondering how did you like her? We didn't really talk about Merit, I'm
0: um, <laughs> the heroine of this novel. No, I think I did say that I liked her as a character. I felt like she was yeah. well written and I liked I like that she never changed her mind. She knew she liked Kier from the beginning and I love that she went and got him. But I also found it really interesting that, the, like, despite seeing her parents' love and despite seeing how they were so in love and, like, not – she kind of didn't want that for herself at first when she married her husband. She more or so married the logical choice, and she's like, I know I won't ever love him, so I'm going to choose him. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Well, it kind of made sense in the sense that, like, you won't necessarily have what your parents had in some cases uh... – you know you don't want what your parents have because it's terrible and in some cases you know they have a great love story and then somehow you marry someone and you get divorced three years afterwards so I can kind of see well I mean I kind of think like Merit her first marriage she was yeah like you said it was more like practical than anything like logical like yeah there's this man he's you know good-looking enough, and um, he'll make a good husband, which he did. I liked that aspect of the story, like, besides the whole, like, oh, he left when he learned that she was barren. I mean, he didn't, like, leave-leave. He just wasn't there as an emotional support for her Um, because he was, you know, dealing with his own feelings, Uh which, you know, he's allowed to deal with his own feelings. Like, it's not to be disregarded. Like, men can mourn the fact that they won't have kids as well. It's not just a woman thing. But overall, like, he was a pretty good husband, which I like. Because oftentimes it's like, oh, the husband that died was, like, terrible. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which this wasn't the case. It just wasn't, like, a love match, you know. And then the second time around, it was time for, for her to maybe try something different. Something more fulfilling on the emotional level. And uh, what I thought was interesting was the fact that now she's, she's um, a widow. And usually in historical romance... Widows have a lot more freedom, which she does have to a certain extent. But I thought it was still interesting how the idea of not wanting to cause a scandal was still looming over her. Yeah. Despite her being a widow, despite her being, you know, Westcliff's daughter, which, you know, you would think puts you, you know, at a hell of an advantage, you know, in society, because it's like your father is pretty much like on top of the world. Like nobody. Nobody really outranks Westcliffe, besides technically Sebastian, but in in terms of money, (laughs) yeah,
0: he doesn't. But maybe it's because of that reason itself, that because he has such a high position in society, she didn't want to be, like, look as, like, a disappointment or, like, I don't know, like, a black mark on his reputation as well. Because, you know, society and the ton is just, you know, they love for a scandal. But I don't think she sees it that way
1: necessarily. Like, I feel like I don't that think she would be sees true. it that way,
0: but I think everyone else sees it that perhaps, way. Perhaps.
1: Perhaps. But, like, I was thinking more, like, maybe she doesn't see it that way because it's just not in her personality, really. Like, she's not Ooh, someone yeah. who I would consider, like, particularly wild or, no. you know... It's, not, it's just not who she is. So she naturally probably wouldn't be someone who would cause any sort of no. scandal. I don't know where I was going with this besides really just saying that uh, I liked that despite her being a widow, it wasn't like everything was just suddenly, you know, she could do anything she wanted. Like, a lot of people kept reminding her, like, you're going to cause a scandal. Like, are you sure you want to go ahead with this? Yeah. Um, and, you know, she was like, hell yeah, I want care." So I don't care. I'm going to get what I want and yeah. respect that.
0: And I love that she like she r- recognized that she was in love with him really early on. And she asked Phoebe, she's like, is this is this love? Yeah. Is this normal? And then Phoebe's was like, no, this is lust. But like she still stuck to her guns. She's like, no, I know this is love. Yeah. And she just went for it. And I, I liked her character. I really did.
1: You know what? Sometimes people do fall in love at first sight. My grandparents did. Really? They did. So oh. it happens, and they've been together for 55 years of marriage, I think. So, yeah, it the happens. Real love does exist. <laughs> it does exist. Aww. Speaking of Phoebe, first of all, love Phoebe, love her. Um, <laughs> but I loved the scene. Where Kier is talking to her and sh- and she's like, so essentially you're not really Scottish. And <laughs> Kier literally, like his heart, you can hear it break. <laughs> had <What> a breakdown. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean I'm not Scottish? Like he's the most proud Scot- Scotch- Scottish man out, Scotsman out yeah. there. And I just love that then Phoebe went on her merry, merry way and she was like, God damn it, I gotta find a Scottish person in her ancestry. And then she got Serafina to find. Involved. And Serafina found out that they were related. They're like eight times great, 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 great grandfather was James, the first king of the Scots. No, and it was that was Robert. Made, no, it was James. Was it not Robert? Well, it was this, it was some some king yeah. of the Scots. Yeah. Kira literally lost his shit. <laughs> he was like so happy. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and I just love that Phoebe and Seraphina did that for him. They were like, okay, we gotta we gotta find something for this man, or else he's gonna lose it.
0: <laughs> and I thought it was really interesting, like, um, like still with the sibling thing. Um, seeing him bond with his yes. half siblings, I thought that was honestly like so wonderful to read about and like yes him and phoebe bonded but i feel like he bonded first with her child and then like slowly he bonded with seraphina and then ivo and then he even met gabriel but like in passing um and i just i liked seeing that because he does have a family from like going because mm. be- his both his parents died the people that raised him and he kind of was alone he had no one and then, his parents were elderly as well yeah and like cut to now and he has a whole family and like extended family with the wallflowers that are like waiting to like welcome him in and
1: and nieces yeah. that scene with the baby i know where he rocked the baby to sleep with like a song or something like a he Scottish sang. song no yeah i did i did love that like i just love how welcoming everyone was and like how loving right away like right off the bat like to him to to all of them it's not like someone else is stealing a spot it's like no they're just there's more room there will always be more room in their family for people i just love the wallflowers um okay so
0: the monster of the story what is it i i know i just i feel like we talked about a lot of this already oh um one being like the past and like how that happened with like Kier's parents um but i also felt like society was a big problem in this as well like i be like the upbr like i guess the upbringing you have with society and like the concept of societal class and like sorry social class and how you can only bring someone down if they marry someone below their societal standing and like that was a thought that kier had throughout the wholeness of this book i would say like until probably, yeah. like, closer to the end, he just thought that Merit would be, like, looked down upon in society if she married him or, even like, if she decided to, you know, have a relationship with him. It, like, she would lose her spot in society. And even she recognized that if she were to marry below her standing, she would also lose some of the privileges she has in the time. Um, so that kind of stopped them from pursuing... But also...
1: Um, Something that's not really acknowledged in the book, or maybe it is and I missed it, but not necessarily a a monster for these characters in particular, but just the whole thing that, like, Sebastian never would have been able to acknowledge Kier as his actual son if he weren't Sebastian St. Vincent, because their social standing is what protects them in this instance, and, like, they know it's going to cause a hell of a riot in society, but they can do it because they know that they can weather the storm and their name will, will save them, you know, their title will save them in that in that case. And, I mean, it's obviously super cute that, like, everyone's more than happy to take that risk, you know? Yeah. For them, it's not a question, but, you know, it has to be said that they can do that because of who they are, you know? Someone lower than them never would have been able to do that. Exactly.
0: And I just feel like it's so... Interesting to me that like society, if if anyone else out el- like I'm sorry, if anyone else was in Sebastian's shoes, they would be shunned from society. I just think that's so interesting because Sebastian had this child way before his marriage, and like I understand, sure it was like with a married woman, but it was just like before he even like was anything, you know. Like I just feel like ugh, the society and like the ton like, their rules and, like, the regulations of, like, what's deemed appropriate or not, it's just, like, it's so interesting to me. Um, Do you have any monsters? Well, okay, so
1: first off, I think for Kier, as we mentioned, um, so I won't go into the detail, but I think for him it was mostly just letting go of the idea that there is a limited amount of space in his life and in his heart, and that accepting Sebastian meant erasing his own father and mother and, like, erasing what they meant to him. He had to come to terms with the fact that, like, no, there's enough room for everyone and you can still love your parents and what they did for you and acknowledge them as your parents, but also accept Sebastian in as, like, also your father, Mm -hmm. just a different kind of father, a father that, unfortunately, didn't couldn't be around you for most of your life but now he's here and he wants to love you and it's up to you to accept that or refuse that yeah um so for him i think that was part of the journey uh for merit i think it was in part understanding that she's not less than that she's enough even if she's barren i think it wasn't yeah. necessarily like super present in the book but mm-hmm. it did come up a couple times especially at some point she tells kier like i'll never be able to give you a child and that's yeah. when he says like the whole I'll, i'm adopted like i could not care less
0: <laughs> yeah because she does pull away from him emotionally yeah. yeah and yeah i do i do think that played a big part for her i did have one more for kier um so basically um his insecurity um and i say this in a way that um, despite Merritt keep telling him that she wanted to be with him and wanted to pursue things with him and the life that they could have, he kept pulling away and push, and he kept trying to push her into a life without him and a life in society, which we kind of talked about already. But I also feel like his insecurity came into play when Merritt really wanted to go with him to Scotland and help him with um, the people coming to kill him. And she even proved to him and everyone else that she could take care of herself when she, like, took the gun and, like, you know, started shooting at things in the garden. And, like, she could take better care of them than I think he could have because he doesn't know how to shoot a gun. And I don't know if that was just because he didn't, he loved her so much he didn't want her to get hurt or how did that play into things. But, like, he even left her back in England and she was like, what the hell? And she had to travel her way to Scotland by herself. And she did find him, obviously, but I just felt like, his insecurity kind of stopped them from, you know, doing things together. That last
1: thing, I don't know if I see that as insecurity. I think it's more so what you just said of, like, it was more so for her protection. Like, it's it's a very, it's a very Sebastian thing to do. Like, he's he's got that in his blood. Like, no, just leaving
0: and being like, I, I'm leaving. No, of course. I do see that. But I also feel like this book felt more... Um, like, balance in terms of gender roles, and I felt like, why can not Merrick protect the person she loves? Why, why does she not, like, why is she not able to help the person that she loves because she doesn't want him to see, to see, sorry, she doesn't want to see him get hurt. And the same could be said for uh, Kier. He doesn't want to see the person he loves get hurt. So I feel like, why couldn't, at that point, why couldn't they both protect each other? Whereas, like, I feel like in the book, previous to that they very much were equal in the relationship like they had the same roles and like the same like they're both working people like of course yes she had a title but like she still like owned sterling uh you know the docs and all of that so but think of every argument that they have
1: in this book Keir always gives in he always does every time she they'll argue yeah and then she'll say something and he'll give in. And he's he'll give her what she wants, exactly what she wants. That's true. And I think in that particular instance, he did it to protect her because he was like, I know I can't argue with her because I'll freaking give in again. Yeah. So he was like, I'm just going to leave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this man legit, like, left. She followed in the middle him of the night.
1: And he... He realized that, and once he saw her in Scotland, he was, like, on Isla or whatever it was called. They got married. Like, he wasn't really mad. They got married. It was a chaotic wedding. Loved it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when it came down to, like, the actual event where it's, like, they were, you know, there was this guy that was supposed to kill them and, like, the whole thing. He tells her, stay inside. What does she do? She, she goes outside. And is he mad at any point? No. No, he doesn't say anything. So I think for Kier, it's like, he just won't say anything and he'll just leave because he knows he'll give in. That's true. But I do think with Kier, the thing that you're kind of putting your finger on, and it's not just with Merit, it's with Sebastian, it's with everyone else. He's got a really hard time asking for help and asking for assistance and, like, someone to help him out. And I do think that that was part of it. It's like, you know, instead of asking Merit for help after he's stabbed, he's like, oh, I'll just tell her I can't be here for the dinner and then I'll go, you know, by myself, you know, mend my own wounds type of thing. Like, he's very much like that, which is why I love yeah. the part where Sebastian is like, if you ever need anything, come to me. And I don't think that Keir is like, no, <laughs> in that mm-hmm. moment, because I think he's he's done some growing, you know? Yeah. He's he's like, all right, I can actually ask for help. I, I can rely on other people. And part of that might have been because his parents were elderly. So, like, maybe while they were amazing parents and caring parents, maybe because they were elderly, it was like... He couldn't really rely on them for a yeah. lot of things. And, yeah. like, obviously, they died when he was kind of young. So, you know, maybe he was alone for a very long time and had to, you know, fend for himself. So yeah. maybe that's where that comes from, of this idea that he's got to do by himself. I agree with that. <laughs> I like that point. <laughs> <laughs> do we have an announcement or not? I don't know. Do we? We do. And if you are listening to this, you are getting an official inside scoop into our next read-along series on the podcast, Seth. The Wallflower Series by Lisa Claypass. Woo! <laughs> okay. We are planning I'm on excited. rereading the Wallflower Series with S. So this is why S is before. not here today, because yeah. obviously this is book seven in The Raven Elves, and she hasn't read book one in The Wallflowers, so <laughs> <laughs> it did make sense. Um, So she will be with us along the journey. Seth and I are so excited to reread those books. Some of them I have never reread. Same. Spoiler alert, including my favorite one. <laughs> mm.
0: And if you haven't picked up yet, it, like her favorite one is Devil in Winter. Yeah, I
1: I never reread Devil in Winter because I am absolutely terrified
0: <laughs> of rereading that book and being like, you know what, not my favorite. <laughs> I'm curious for myself because every time I reread that book, I like it more and more and more. So I'm curious to see if what happens when I read it for like, I think it's going to be my fourth time or third time rereading Wow. It. I haven't reread it. No, no, no. But I haven't reread it in like the past year and a bit because, like, I knew it was something we were talking about, like reading the Wallflower books and all of these Lisa, Clay- Lisa Claypass books. So I just decided to stay away from that series. Um, so I'm curious to see if my thoughts stay the same, or if they differ, or yeah. what happens with that.
1: In my, in in my uh, defense. I am not a rereader, therefore yeah. I don't tend to reread my favorite books because what can happen when I reread books is that I like the book the books less, not because the book yeah. isn't good, just because my brain already knows the story. Yeah, that impacts my enjoyment of it. So in The Wallflowers, I've reread book one, uh, Secrets of a Summer Night, at least twice, and I've reread the fourth one twice. That's interesting. But never books through three and four because those are my no sorry, two and two three because those are my favorites. Yeah.
0: Uh
1: but right. we will start with again the magic because, yeah, because if, y'all, like if y'all are skipping about that it. book, yeah. If y'all are skipping that book, you are skipping a hell of a book. So yes. You're skipping, skipping McKenna.
0: Of McKenna all
1: and Gideon and Olivia and Dona. What's school. the name of
0: McKenna's girl? <laughs> Why would you say that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot because I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Well, you know what? That's the whole point of a reread. We, we exactly. refresh our memory and pick up things that maybe you might not have picked up the first time, like the heroine's name.
1: Yep, and we did say we wanted to read a scarred heroine, which again the magic has. Right. We're so excited, you guys. Um we do not know yet when we're starting that but it just felt like a natural thing to do to announce it here since it is Elisa Clipper's book yes um, and we may or may not have uh, some guests joining us yes. for those episodes some of them so we're excited Ooh. and you will join us so that's, right. it. And that's it and I hope you enjoyed our discussion um, if you have any thoughts that you would like to share with us you can find us online uh, on Twitter. We are the R T M Pod. On Instagram, it is Romancing the Monsters Podcast. You can also email us at romancingthemonsterspodcast@gmail.com at gmail I am slowing myself down, and it is literally using brain power right now because <laughs> I'm so used to being like. <laughs> <laughs> um, TikTok is Romancing the Monsters Pod. Have you been doing content on there? I don't know.
0: Um, not recently, but I do have some ideas. Hopefully I'll get to recording them (laughs) soon. Putting you on the spot again. (laughs) No, honestly, it's just like...
1: She's slacking.
0: (laughs) No, I'm only slacking because, like, you know, I need to, like, do my makeup. And, like, I haven't been wearing makeup recently. Um, so, Yeah. (laughs)
1: Uh, and then YouTube, just click, just type, uh, Romance and the Monsters podcast. You can find us, find us on there if you need captions or you prefer that format. We are on there as well. Uh, and you can find me on inter, uh, in, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at O's
0: and Lovers. And you can find me, staff, on both Instagram and Twitter at pros with woes. And also, please feel free to leave us any ratings or reviews on any podcast platforms. It really means a lot to us. Even if it's just like a rating, Um, anything would be appreciated. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.